Welcome to the Built Not Born podcast presented by Edge Leadership Academy. I'm your host, David Kitchen, and every week I'm going to be having conversations with some of the top leaders in their fields to figure out what built them into the leaders they are today and what we can all take away from their journey. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share, like, and leave a review so we can continue to bring you more content like this. Also, make sure you join us on our website, www.edgeleadershipacademy.com for a ton of free content and resources for leaders and those wanting to be leaders, and be sure to follow us on social media. I'm fired up to be part of this project, and I'm really looking forward to getting to work. Leaders are built, not born. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Built Not Born podcast. I'm your host, David Kitchen, and today I get the opportunity to sit down with somebody who I've known for a few years now, and I'm, I'm super excited to bring this oper- bring this uh, interview to you guys. I think this conversation is going to have a lot of depth to it. It's going to explore some things that a lot of people think about but maybe aren't as familiar with, um, so hopefully we can shed some light on that. So today we have joining us Nicole Erickson. Nicole is a mental performance consultant. Um, I had the opportunity to work with her during my time at Georgia Southern University, and she's an absolute rock star, great at what she does, um, brings a great perspective to reframing common concepts and explaining them in a way that is easy to digest and you can kind of connect the dots for yourself. Um, So without further ado, I'll kind of shut up and I'll let Nicole introduce herself, tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get rolling from there. All right. Well, I want to say thank you for having me. I'm very excited uh, to be here with you today um, and have this conversation. And so a little bit about myself. So who am I? I grew up in South Florida, West Palm Beach, Wellington area. Uh, I grew up playing sports. I loved sports. Um, I, around high school, started specializing in basketball and had some bad injuries, Um, decided to just go to college um, get an education, stop playing, even though I really wanted to play in college. Um, so I went to Florida state, got my degree, my bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in business. Um, while I was there, I found out about sports psychology and that's when I was like, this is what I'm doing. I was, (laughs) it was a great moment for me. Um, so I started immersing myself in anything sport. I worked for campus recreation, I worked for the women's basketball team at Florida State. I was a manager. I worked for um, Positive Coaching Alliance in Tampa Bay. It's a non-for-profit, great company. Um, I had a couple good summers there. And then I went on to grad school uh, at Georgia Southern, where I worked with Kit. And that was an awesome experience. Um, I got my master's in sport and exercise psychology. And then I graduated in May not how I expected to graduate. I think we can all say 2020 has been an experience. Um, so I was, I came home early, kind of just wrote out the rest of school, graduated, started applying to jobs. Nothing was really hitting. And I was just like, you know what? I reached out to someone down in Miami that I worked with at Florida State, um, who he had just opened a company, MindTap, who I am associated with now. I reached out to him. Um, he said, join on, come on with us. So I did. And in the meantime, I have opened my own business as well. So that's NEE consulting. And so I've been working at working with athletes and coaches and teams in the area. Um, I've worked with a few business professionals as well, uh, with sports psych. So I've been doing mental skills training and it's been really awesome. That's awesome. And it, and it's so cool how you kind of 
have that light bulb moment of like, this is what I want to do. Like th- this is it. And then you're able to kind of build things on top of that, which is, which is really cool. I know for me, it was a similar deal. You know, I got out of school with a business degree, started coaching and was doing it on the side and I didn't expect it to be what I wanted to do. And then all of a sudden it, it kind of led into this passion. And then one thing led to another. And, and that passion I ultimately found wasn't just for coaching, but for leadership. Um, and it kind of led me to, to what I'm doing now. So it's so cool to hear other people's journeys. I always love listening to that. Um, even though we work together, there were some things in there that I didn't know. Um, so it's great to hear that kind of stuff. So let's jump right into some of these kind of hard hitting topics. And I'd love to hear your opinion on some of this. So we're going to do a deep dive here into the fear of failure and what is behind it. So we kind of have this general concept, right? Everyone thinks, well, they're just afraid to fail, but there's reasons behind it. And there's things that, that underlie it and kind of serve as, you know, the framework for what manifests itself as the fear of failure. Um, so as somebody that deals with these types of things, I'd love to hear you kind of give us an explanation of what's going on when we talk about fear of failure. What is that exactly? Um, and kind of what are some of the things that, that play into it? So, all right, knowledge is power. Right. So I think it's really important to one of my main thing as a sports psych um, consultant, mental performance consultant is building awareness. But in order to build awareness, you have to understand what it is. So knowledge. So what is fear of failure? What's the definition? So it's appraising situations um, that activates beliefs in your mind. So in psych, we call these schemas um, that's associated with bad consequences, aversive consequences or um, of failing and that leads to fear right and so these are learned right this is the fear of failure is learned over time it doesn't just happen overnight um so to address it become aware of it and then start working toward using tools to cope with it um becoming aware of it right it's going to take time to not unlearn it because you can't unlearn it but to almost help with it to cope with it Okay, and so behind fear of failure, there's five components that research has found. So fear of the unknown. Um, So you don't know what's going on. There's lack of information. And so there's a decrease in competency. So you feel like you're unable to execute tasks. You don't have the ability to do something. All right, and this could just be a decrease of, of competency or could you just feel like you don't have it at all? And that's scary, that is scary. Um, so that's fear of the unknown. Uh, the next one's fear of shame and embarrassment. Now, these emotions suck. They don't feel good. <laughs> they do not feel good at all. And they're very hard to sit with. They're icky, right? I don't like shame at all. It's scary. Uh, so I think it's important with these is learning when I feel when I'm feeling shame, when I'm feeling embarrassed, how do I sit with that? Uh, and it's again, it's scary to do. So that's the second one. The third one is fear of devaluate, devaluing one's self-estimate. Okay. So that means if I fail, I'm a loser, right? I suck. I'm not supposed to be this athlete. It completely, I'm worthless. Um, my confidence just drops, right? So that's a fear of of devaluing one's self-estimate. Now, this the fourth one would be fear of upsetting important others. Uh, this might sound like, well, I'm scared of letting my teammates down. I'm scared of letting coach down. Maybe it's a lot, because um, you don't, you know, they don't, they don't want to upset them. 
you don't want them to be mad at you. You don't want them to feel uh, disappointed in you, right? And so there's fear of that. So that's upsetting important others. And then the last one is fear of important others losing interest. So this one's like, oh, coach isn't even going to give me any attention. He's not going to help me or he or she is not going to help me anymore. Um, my friends are going to stop talking to me. Like, okay, so those, so those are the five. Um, I think it's important, again, to say that fear of failure is learned. It happens over time, right? We've grown up with this, uh, whether it be in the household, whether it be at school, whether it be out on the courts, the fields, it's something that's been learned. Um, and so it's going to take time to cope with it, to, to use, utilize tools um, to work toward not feeling fearful about failing right? These associations are strong that we have in our brains. Uh, so yeah, that's fear of failure. Um, so where I'd go from here is kind of figuring out, all right, in this situation, yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared of failing. Well, what, what's behind that? And the reason why I gave you these five components to fear of failure and told you the definition of fear of failure is you're like, okay, now I know, you know, I know a little bit more of, of what it could be. Let me put this into words. So I think it's because it's, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to feel shamed and I'm afraid to feel embarrassed. Um, so yeah, those are fear of failure and what's behind it. That makes sense. So the, the, I just jotted down some notes here. Some of the main components mm -hmm. that I heard there, and, and I just want to unpack it a little bit further. Um, it sounds to me like what you're saying is with this fear of failure component, it's almost like it's broken down into trying to build your ability to be vulnerable and trying to increase your resiliency are some of the toolbox things that we could possibly use to, to overcome this. Um, but I think the, the deeper point here that I wanna get into is exactly what you talked about, that it's a learned skill. And I think that people sometimes don't give it enough credit. Like they don't think that, you know, the fear of failure is learned. It's not just something that's inherent in everybody um, right away. And so, you know, we can do things as coaches and as people and as leaders within our groups um, to try and help them through these fears of failure. And part of that is by supporting vulnerability, right? And supporting an atmosphere where people can step out and take take risks and take chances and put themselves out there and be themselves without that fear of, of judgment, right? So I, I'd like to know, I kind of, is there a rehabilitation process to that? Like, so say you have a deep fear of failure. Like, I, I like to think of myself that I have a fear of failure, to be honest with you, I, I'm deeply afraid to fail. Um, but is there a kind of a rehabilitation process for that? Or is that something that occurs naturally just by being in the right environment, you think? All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm gonna hop back. So I think um, with fear, fa fear, fear in general is natural. That's the same with shame and embarrassment, right? Their emotions, they happen, they come up. So it is natural to feel fear, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think vulnerability that you hit on, uh, what was it? It was vulnerability and building resiliency. So yes, I think, and this goes back to emotions, right? We grow up and it's, whether it's unintentional or intentional, we're taught there's good emotions and there's bad emotions. We can feel this, but we can't feel this because those are bad and these are good. Um, and again, this, this could be unintentionally or intentionally. And we're never really taught, okay, this is what you're feeling right now. It sucks. It's what you're feeling or it's great. And it's what you're feeling now. How, how can we respond to this um, while feeling this way? 
Okay. So I think it's important to know that emotions are just emotions. It's what they are. Um, and I think when we put this label on it, that these are bad and these are good, that takes away that vulnerability piece that you're saying, right? Then we can't be vulnerable because we're not allowed to feel that emotion. We can't, it's bad. We gotta, we gotta feel happy. We gotta be happy all the time. We gotta be positive, right? So it's like, well, no, it's more so, okay, let's, let's sit with this. Let's talk about it. Let's unpack it. What does that feel like? It's okay to feel that way. Next time we got to respond this way though, when you're feeling this way, like you got to learn how to sit with it and process it. Uh, and that takes time again, like we said. Um, and that's sort of how you start building that awareness that, and then you're able to self-regulate and, and be resilient. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that. Now you said, is there a rehabilitation for this? Um, like fear of failure, which again, everyone fears failure. You know, it's, it's natural, it happens. Um, and so I, rehabilitation, I would say, I'm just, I'm curious when you ask that, do you mean like, if you fail, how do you recover from it? Or when you're feeling fear of failure, how do you so rehabilitate so, from more it? More so like, say I'm a, uh, you know, say I'm, I'm a coach and I recruit an athlete who I can identify this, this deep fear of failure within them. And it affects how they play and what they do around the, around the program and what they do around the facility you know, is that something that will improve over time just by the environment that they're in? Like, say I have a really good culture that promotes vulnerability and accepts those things. Is that something that will just naturally occur? Or, or is that something that we have to dedicate specific resources to that student athlete or that individual on my team to help them get over that fear of failure? So I think both. Um, I definitely think the environment that you create for your athletes or your teammates um, is massive. Um, and the first thing to in doing creating that environment of leadership is understanding yourself, right? Um, and then creating that environment for others. I also think utilizing resources that you have, that's why they're there, right? So if you have a mental performance consultant on your staff, support staff, use them, right? It's <laughs> you have strength and conditioning coaches, use them. Nutritionists, use them. That's why they're there. It's to create this a holistic approach to where the athlete can go anywhere academic advisors right we have them to help them with with school mm -hmm. um so i think definitely using the resources that you have or if you know someone definitely referring them to whatever they need um but creating that environment um how do you do that you know how do you create that vulnerability something that's huge again is understanding yourself so are you have you ever felt fear of failure right? And when you did, how did you respond to it? How do you respond to it now? So understanding that for yourself, um, understanding your own emotions, how you respond to them. And then with that, I think um, modeling is huge. And that's the environment that you create for them. So and that goes with understanding yourself. You know, if you're expecting them, don't be scared, like go out there and, and get shit done. Uh, and then you're on the sideline and you're not, you're not modeling that you're sitting there and like, you could see the fear on your face and you're lashing out in whatever way, whether it's like throwing your clipboard down or, um, you know, whatever, whatever, yelling, whatever it is, it's like, okay, well, you're expecting me not to feel fearful. 
um, and get angry and you're on the sideline, like doing the same thing. So it's like creating an environment where you're modeling the behaviors that you want to see out of your players or out of your teammates. Um, so I think that's, that's huge. Um, for vulnerability, I think empathy is massive, right? So, and it's not sympathy. Um, when we talked prior to this, that you had a great explanation for sympathy and empathy. Um, empathy is huge and it's, it's an understanding, a deeper understanding of what others are feeling, right? Their situations, you may have, you may not know, you, you may not know their situation, right? Or you may not, but understanding what they're feeling and just saying, yeah, it sucks. This is what we got to do. Um, yeah, that must've been really hard, but this is what we have to do to get through this. Like we got to finish out the game, like let's go. Um, so having empathy for your athletes or for your teammates, rather than just pushing them off to the side. I think um, I think you bring up a huge point there with the modeling, though. Um, and I think this is something that sometimes coaches miss. Like we want to talk about building culture and we want to talk about, um, you know, creating positive environments and all these different things. But at times we have to be aware of how our behavior can affect the fears and the negative emotions or ne quote unquote negative emotions, because as you said, nothing is bad. Right. But those maybe emotions that elicit negative behaviors, we'll put it that way. Um how our behaviors impact that stuff within our team, right? So like you just said, if we want to talk about not being fearful and trying to teach our, our student athletes and the people below us to help them overcome their fear of failure, and then we're out there and we're not self-regulating and we're all over the place, that again, it, it just reinforces that learned behavior, right, of fear of failure. And then the consequences that come with it are, you know, whether they're social consequences um, and like some sort of rejection, as we talked about, or they could be internal stuff where it's just damage to that person's self-concept. And now they have a hard time building that resiliency over time. Um, so I think the other piece of that, that, that you brought up with the empathy and everything else is just consistency, right? Consistent environment in a consistent direction um, that kind of facilitates the growth of these, of these new skills and the unlearning of these fears, um, which can be difficult at times. And, and I think um, you brought up a great point there the importance of identifying these fears and emotions and conceptualizing them and understanding the connection um, within yourself and kind of preaching that introspection to your student athletes or the people within your team. And obviously if you have resources to help them through that, um, utilize those. But I, I think that's a place that coaches miss sometimes is the, is the modeling piece when it comes to the quote unquote negative emotions. And I think sometimes that slips through the crack um, and coaches chalk it up as well. I'm fiery or I'm competitive. That's okay. But if it's showing up in ways that reinforce, you know, supposedly bad habits within your team, then you need to examine your own behavior and you need to raise your own self-awareness um, and, and do some things that, that might change that. You know, and I think um, at the end of the day, like you said, it, it's consistency in, in relationships and consistency in making people feel safe. And that's our number one job as a leader of any type is to, to make people feel safe. Um, mm -hmm. So We'll jump topics here. Go no, go ahead if you got really something. quick. With, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you it's hit your on show. It's you hit on some stuff that actually um, kind of hit home with me. So uh, you mentioned, you know, being fearless um, or, or getting rid of that fear. And I think like every emotion, you're just gonna you can't get rid of it, right? It's there. It's natural. You're gonna feel fear. Um, so I think it's more so. 
uh, understanding it and it's not going to go away, but you, and you know, it's there, but you're better able to self-regulate because of that. So it's not being fearless because you're, you're never going to be fearless, right? Like you're always going to have, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, right? Before coming on this podcast, first podcast ever. And I'm like, I'm kind of scared right now because <laughs> I've never done that. You know, I haven't done this before. So I'm scared. I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited. I'm pumped up. So like, it's always going to be there. Um, but learning how to manage it, um, understanding it, and then using tools to execute, you know, to just go get through the and right consistency, you hit on it. These learned behaviors, it's like a bad habit in sport. So it's like, and that's what's so funny about sports psych, you know, people come to you and they're like, well, you know, I respond badly to this or have, you know, I lack confidence. All right. Give like, talk to me one time and I should be better. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) You know, it's been however many years, but 20 years, 15 years where you've been uh, fearful, not knowing how to cope with it, uh, maybe have some maladaptive ways of coping, right? Um, and now you're trying to put in place new things, trying to learn more about it. It's going to take time to become consistent with it. So, right, again, it's like a bad habit in sport. You get a bad basketball player, college level, has no footwork whatsoever. And it's like, okay, you have to get a shot off like super quick or you're going down the lane and you got to do a move and it's just not there because the footwork isn't there. It's like, all right, well, I got to teach them footwork so they can get the ball off. They can shoot faster off the pass, off the dribble. And then when they get down in the lane, they can do some sort of move and the footwork's there. That's going to take practice. You got to teach them. Um, They got to be aware of what they're doing now, what's wrong with it. Uh, how they're going to fix it. And then they got to practice, practice, like I said, practice it. And then even in the game, they might not still do it. Right. So it takes time. And I think that goes into, you know, as a coach, if this is something that you have to work on too, if it's an athlete that needs to work on it, or if uh, the whole team wants to work on it together, it's going to take time and there's going to be mistakes that are made, right. You're going to go back to that behavior sometimes because this is what you've learned for a lot longer than just two weeks of trying to unpack what fear of failure looks like for you and what emotions come up and then start using tools so I think that's important too it's not going to be consistent right away um and that yeah so those are the two things that I wanted to wanted to hit on for sure because it's and I I think you bring up some some great points there and I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a soapbox for a second here but I think with, with mental performance, right, it was in Sports Illustrated. It's now getting on put on ESPN. People are starting to talk about the secret weapon that is mental performance consultants, mental performance coaches, all those types of things. But what these, these people in between don't realize is like a, a guy at a, at a top level. So we use Russell Wilson, for example. He works with, with Trevor Moad. And they do great stuff with the neutral thinking and all that. It's awesome. But that's a process. That's a long-term engagement that time and effort is put into and resources are put into to build those traits. And so for all the coaches out there and leaders, not just coaches, it happens in businesses, it happens everywhere. Everybody wants to bring in a mental performance coach and wants to start doing these things. You have to realize that this is a commitment. 
And you have to realize that it's something that, like you said, it's not a magic bullet. This isn't going to come in and they're going to give your, your team a talk for 30 minutes and teach them two breathing exercises. And now everybody's fixed all of a sudden. And I think that that gets missed so often. And I hear it now that I'm in the consulting side of things where people will talk to me about culture and they're like, well, how, you know, can you do one meeting? And I'm like, well, one meeting is not going to do anything. That's literally, I can begin to maybe kind of scratch the surface of one topic in one meeting. Um, but to give you actionable tools and things like that, it's going to take time. This is an active engagement. Um, and I think that gets missed at times. So I'm so appreciative to hear you come out and say that and say, hey, listen, this is, this is something that needs to be practiced. This is not a, you know, so-and-so has the yips, send them to Nicole for 20 minutes and okay, they're back and they're fine. Like, that's not the way this thing works. Um, it's like you said, you're trying to override 15, 20, what, however many years of response patterns um, and teach new ones and replace those, those habits with new habits um, while learning a skill. And at times doing some deep self-work and being vulnerable and acknowledging things. And so it's uncomfortable. Um, and so it's, it's a really in-depth process that people have to go through, but it's so worth it on the other side. Um, but I think at times, like I said, it just gets missed by people who just want to say, you know, okay, well, we brought a sports psych person in to talk to our team. So we're mentally strong or we're resilient. Now, okay. It doesn't work that way. Um, I'm glad that you did it. I'm glad that you at least made the call, but now make that call every week for the next six months. And now you're right. going to, you know what I mean? Now you'll Don't get what you want. The box. <laughs> right. And that's, that's exactly it. They want to throw it up on the, on the website or on the, you know, in the newsletter, like, we brought in a mental performance coach for a 20 minute session with a 50 person team, which means there was no one-on-one -on -one time. There was no, um, you know, actual identification of what individual needs are. Cause not everybody's the same, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's the other thing um, that I'm sure you run into, you know, working with teams versus working with individuals. Like it's not a one size fits all thing. I mean, yes, you can do general skills and tools that will help everybody, but it's a very individualized process um, to identify your fears and, and your, you know, behavior patterns and your response patterns to certain things and then build tools from that. Um, so that's me on my, on my soapbox. I do this about once an episode where I just go on a rant. Um, got to, you got to. It, it, hey, that's the nice thing about having the mic and having my own show. I can just get on here and say what I want to say. Well, and I think, you know, you touched on something that was actually sparked me again. So um, that uncomfortability. And I think that goes in with the whole, don't feel fear, stop being scared. Like we can't feel emotions. Like it is weak, you know, and there's that stigma behind that. But really it's like, well, if you want to do better and execute better self-regulate, like, and it is uncomfortable, like doing this stuff can be uncomfortable. Being vulnerable can be uncomfortable. Um, so getting past that and really immersing yourself, um, that's, what's going to make the change, right? Buying into it, actually buying into it, not just checking the box. Um, but it's that uncomfortableness because whether it's with themselves or with others, they just don't, don't want to know, uh, don't want to feel like, again, just avoiding, 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 but really like, if you want to make that breakthrough, it's, it's trying, you know, and it's, it's going through that uncomfortableness that we're always talking about, um, you know, being comfortable or being comfortable. Yeah. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, and so, and that's where you, that's where you grow. It, so. it is absolutely. And it's the deep work. It's, um, you know, it's a buzzword now in kind of the self-help community and people want to talk about doing the deep work. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, but it's something I, I did personally, and it is uncomfortable. It, it's something, you know, I grew up in a, in a single parent household, and this is me being vulnerable here. Um, grew up in a single parent household, you know, kind of dysfunctional at times uh, with the with the father out of the picture, never met my biological father, that type of deal. So I had a lot of things going on that I never dealt with as I got older. And when I finally took the time, and when I say time, I mean, years into it's continuing now um, to do that work on myself, it was extremely uncomfortable. But every time I made a little breakthrough, and I felt a little bit better about things, it almost became... Um, I don't want to say addicting, but but something that like you almost look forward to how you're going to feel on the other side of this uncomfortable scenario. You know, like, okay, I know I have to deal with X, Y, and Z issues, but I know how good I'm going to feel three months from now when that doesn't bother me anymore. And then you can start to get more and more into your own kind of Pandora's box of, of issues. And I'm not saying everybody has to dive down and, and get out their mommy and daddy issues. That's not what I'm saying, but it, you'd be surprised how much it helps. I mean, I know I, I feel better as a human now. Um, after doing that, but it was a very uncomfortable three to five years of, of doing it, you know, and, and it can feel lonely along the way. And you feel, you know what I mean? You go backwards and then forwards. And then, you know, it's almost like those diagrams of success that you see on, on social media, where it's like, it's not a straight line. It's three steps, then four steps back, then a drop. Yep. Exactly. And so, you know, people don't kind of conceptualize that at times they think it's like and I think the same thing happens with with general mental health if you went in and and saw a therapist they think they're going to be better in in a week and it's like it's going to get worse before it gets better because we need to unpack this stuff um, and get uncomfortable and deal with some things that that are below the surface that we haven't been dealing with um, but ultimately it's it's worth it in the long run so I'm you know I'm fired up to hear you talk about these kinds of concepts and to hear it from somebody because I talk about it but I'm not a I'm not a sports psychologist I'm not a mental performance coach that's not what I do um, so to hear from somebody who is in that field you know reaffirms me that I'm I'm not out of my mind um, but also oh, not at all. <laughs> also not at that, all. that this is needed you know these conversations are needed um, so you you hit on something in there that I, I think is is pertinent to leadership in particular. And that's the, you know, the high stress situations Um, and that leaders do, you know, typically operate in a environment where the stakes are a little bit higher, Um, you know, might be your job riding on a, on a, you know, one Wednesday night, if you're a college basketball coach, you know, it could be the difference between having a job, not having a job. Um, If you are are a vice president of sales, um, you know, and you're heading into that last quarter and you guys are behind the eight ball and you need to finish strong, that's a high stress environment what are some tools that we can use to, you know, maintain it? And I don't want to say control our emotion because we talked about this a little bit before. Um, but what are some things that we can do to kind of self-regulate um, or maybe identify and accept those emotions a little bit better um, within those high stress environments? Um, so if possible, be proactive about this. <laughs> like I said, it's going to take time. So I think identifying the emotions, uh, so labeling them when you feel them in certain situations. So what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling angry. Okay, probably should take a minute. Um, And then kind of figuring out, okay, how, or you can think about past situations, but if you're in the moment, it's like, okay, how do I want to respond? How would I react, right? So in my head, I think responding and reacting is differently. Reacting is off off the emotion. Uh, responding is logically thinking through the scenario and then doing it right so it's like all right I know I'm angry right now I react this way I want to respond this way 
and again it in the moment it's hard uh especially like like you said if it's a i mean any of those examples that you gave if you haven't practiced this and it's just like you're in it it's going to be really really hard to respond some people are better at it than others but if you're one of those people that are more likely to react it's going to take time and it's going to take practice to to address to label the emotions be curious about them um and again like i said you could you could sit down and think about past scenarios and it's like okay this happened here this is what i felt these were my thoughts in the moment and then it's like okay how did i how did i react and how do i want to respond in the future how can i how can i do a better better job um depending on the emotion, uh, there might be some other emotions with that, right? So a lot of times with, with anger, Dr. Megan Bird, she explained this to my class, this is the way she teaches it, but a lot of times anger is a surface emotion, almost like an iceberg. So you see the anger, but really underneath it is all those other really tough emotions. So shame, embarrassment, um, disappointment, uh, sad, lonely, um, just anger is easier to, to show um, and it's not weak, right? Especially for, for boys, right? Oh, he's angry, like testosterone, supposed to be angry, da, 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 you know? But, and those other emotions, no, 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 can't feel those. So it's all underneath. Um, so I think also, you know, saying, all right, so I felt this, what else did I feel in that moment? What else was going on for me? Uh, what was I thinking, how I was responding? So that's that's a way that you could you could handle those situations. There are, you know, it's almost like what we talked about earlier. So you could do the Band-Aid uh, skills, right? That's really what they are. But until you really dive deep and understand yourself and the emotions that come up for you and what that means for you, those Band-Aids are only going to last so long. Um, they definitely help, right? Uh, so that's... <laughs> They definitely help. Uh, so like angry, deep breathing, right? Calms the heart rate down. Um, you feel relaxed, you feel more relaxed, right? Just physiologically, everything calms down. Um, so that could help in the moment. Uh, coming up with a cue word or action or both, both is better. So like if you're starting to get, you start to feel like you're losing control, you're in that red zone, you're seeing red um, or you're just not in it. Uh, putting in place some sort of action with a word usually helps to almost like reset yourself, whether that's refocusing or just coming back um, and then setting that aside, coming back to it later. So you don't react to the situation. Um, I've had, I put one on my Instagram, clap it out. So it's like centered breath, level up, um, advancement, and then be present. And then you could clap and just say it to yourself. Um, I've had individuals tape their wrist and write a word on it that's meaningful to them. And so when they look down at their they look down at their wrist and say the word, read the word. Um, when they start feeling in that red zone, they're really stressed out. I've had um, people imagine things. So some imagine family members. Um, some imagine their happy place. So it's just kind of like a reset. And again, it's more so like a band aid. Um, I think sitting down and labeling those emotions, understanding what those mean for you, what's going on in your mind and your body. So what are your thoughts? What are you feeling inside your body? What the emotion is, um, and how you react, how you want to respond and then working on it. So the next time you feel that way, it's like, all right, I'm feeling this way. 
what do I want to do? What do I need to do in order to do that? So. That makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think learning to combine those kind of, uh, you know, band-aid fixes with the deep work leads to really good things. Um, and again, you know, using a personal example, like I, I wear a wristband all the time that says do the work. And that's kind of my reminder to myself that no matter how I'm feeling, you know, I can look down at that thing and it's all right, all right, do the work. And to me, do the work just means not necessarily just come out and just do anything, but it means take action of some sort and start to realize, you know, what do I need to do to work my way through this situation? Because every situation can be worked through um, if you're willing to find an avenue. Um, so that's kind of my way of calming myself down and recentering and saying, okay, now it's time to do the work. Now you're back, you're focused. Now, how do I want to exactly what you said, which was the quote of the episode, how do I respond instead of react to this situation? Um, that I promise you will be on Instagram from me within the next 24 hours, because that was an unbelievable quote um, that I think a lot of people needed to hear and, and needed to needed to understand. Um, this has been so cool. And I'm going to pick your brain here again on some more toolbox stuff, because I think giving the actionable things for people um, that they can put in play tomorrow or put, or at least start to do some homework on is always a big uh, goal of mine with these podcasts and getting this out of some people. Um, so I'm going to just shoot you, um, you know, give me some tools for overcoming fears we talked about earlier. So those fears of failure, um, fear of the unknown, all those different things. I know we talked about identifying um, and acknowledging, but, but let's talk about some of those other, you know, fears or the other tools that we can use to kind of overcome those. Definitely. So um, I think for fear of failure, uh, defining success and defining failure, right? And, and not just saying, well, failure is losing, success is winning. No, sit down and go and be descriptive, be detailed. And then off of that with failure, identifying what the consequences of those of failing is, right? So what scares you the most? about those consequences. How are you going to cope with them? Um, what skills and abilities do you have in your toolbox uh, to work through and push through those repercussions? Um, some other I'm, things, go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause you real quick here. Guys, if you're listening to this, get a notebook and pen out and start writing down because this this is exactly what we we're looking for. So Nicole, I'm gonna let you jump right back into your list here because this is good stuff. But if you are listening guys, get a pen, get some paper, Go back, listen to this again, because this next couple minutes here is going to be unbelievable. So keep keep rolling. This is great. I'm I'm going to take notes as you talk. For sure. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna recap. So that the first one is defining success and defining failure. What does it mean to you? What does it look like? And again, being descriptive with that. Um, off of that, identifying the repercussions or the consequences to failing, right? And so, what scares you the most? about those re repercussions. So you're almost putting, you're putting this in perspective, you're putting your fear in perspective, okay? So how are you able to cope with the consequences? Uh, what skills and abilities do you have in your toolbox to work through and push through those consequences? Um, some other questions is how long are you gonna let those repercussions affect you? Um, these next two are interesting. And then how much impact will the consequences have on you? And with those two, what's really awesome is um, you, for yourself, you have the ability, you have the power to decide how long you're going to let those affect you. 
whether it's bothering you or you just want nothing to do with it, you get to decide how long that bothers you and how long you're going to take to sit with it and then move on. Um, And that's so powerful. And I think that goes back to the self-regulation, right? It's like, it's, it might happen. Um, You've addressed what could happen. How long are you going to let that affect you? So those are some questions. Um, Another one that I, I like is sit down and write your wants down. Uh, Could be goals, um, just wants for the week or wants for the season. What do you want? Uh, Just jot them down. And then after you jot them down, take a look at it and see how you wrote them. Some might look like I don't want to lose my starting spot or I hope I don't make a mistake in the next game that we have. I hope we win conference, stuff like that. Now those ones that I don't, I don't want to lose my starting spot. Those are avoidant, right? Those are fear. You know, I'm fearful of losing my starting spot. Whereas you could reframe those and say, I hope I start most of the season. Now, what's interesting with these, um, for some individuals, because I've, I've done activities like these before, um, and if you notice, fear mirrors your hopes, right? Your fears mirror your hopes. I, you know, I hope that I win conference. Um, I'm scared we're not going to make it a conference or we're fearful that we won't make it, right? They mirror. So it's reframing those into more hopes and something that you could approach rather than avoiding and being fearful of. Um, Some people are motivated by fear. I've had that come up uh, in session. You know, it's like, oh, reframe these into hopes. They're like, well, hold on. But some of my fears motivate me. You know, I don't see them as fears. I see them as a challenge. And if that's you, then that's you. You know, if you see those as challenges and it motivates you, go for it. Like embrace it. Um, If fear is something that, you know, if it's more avoidant and it's not helpful for you, then change it into a hope. Um, So just wanted to touch on that just in case, because that's definitely come up um, before. The other thing, and I hear this all the time, but process versus outcome. You know, we're so focused on on the outcome, on external things, you know, if, if I win, everyone, you know, I'm going to get more follows on Instagram. I'm going to be Instagram famous. We're going to win conference, but we got to win conference. I got to start. I got to, you know, it's all these, all these things. And we lose sight of the process, um, what we're, what we're working on, what we love about the game. And so I think it's important to, to focus on the process while keeping the, the outcome in view right? So it's there, it's out in front of you, but really focusing on that process and being able to be flexible and adaptable with the process. So when I say flexible and adaptable, the the wants in your life or the processes that you have, you want to be able to to reevaluate those. Um, And really, if they're not working for you, maybe they're too hard, maybe, you know, it's not working or something came up, corona, okay, something came up, how am I going to adapt it? How am I going to use this time to, to work on something new or still try to reach that outcome goal uh, while adapting the process? And that can be challenging and it's tough at times, uh, but working toward being flexible and adaptable. Um, and so when you do that too, it's always good to consider, you know, barriers to the process um, and how to overcome them. Barriers to the outcome, how to overcome that. Because um, a lot of times, you know, that f- fear could tie back to you know not winning 
you know, losing the outcome, you know, so just reevaluating your, your process, focusing on that, the little things, the little things are what get you to where you want to go. And that's all you can do. So. Absolutely. That was awesome. I mean, there is, that was a whole probably seven minutes of, of tips and tricks um, that people can use right away. What I'll try and do is go back through this and build a worksheet and I'll put it on the website so that we can, uh, we can work together on that and see if we can come up with some content for people to take this stuff home because I know if they're like me, they can't write fast enough, um, but take the time to listen to that and really digest it. Cause that's, that's big time. Um, so the next piece of, of tips we'll go into here are, are going to be, you know, tips for mindfulness. What, what are some tips that you have? You know, it's a big buzzword right now. Everybody wants to talk about being present and being mindful. Um, what are just some, some quick tips, you know, band-aid fixes um, for somebody that's looking to get into some mindfulness? Uh, so, and this is important with, with being present um, and just understanding mindfulness, it's being the present moment. And when, you're, when your thoughts wander, when you go away, you go on autopilot, um, almost imagining like those being mindful, those as a, as a cloud that just sort of pass through and then you come back. Um, and in that time of it passing through or noticing that you're wandering, being kind to yourself, we all wonder, right? How many times have you gotten in your car to drive to work every day and you get to the desk or wherever and you get to the destination and it's like, I don't remember driving because you were thinking about something else um, or, you know, you're working out in the gym or you're at practice and you're doing a drill that's... Uh, pretty basic you know you do it every day and you just kind of go off and you're thinking about exams and you're thinking about that one class or that one essay that you have to com complete um it's taking notice to when you start wandering so not getting too lost um noticing it say okay it's all good come back to what we're doing now um and that can be tough at times i think by practicing so these are little tips like to actually start working toward it brush if unless you're ambidextrous but brush your teeth with your opposite hand your non-dominant hand because you're trying you really have to focus I mean unless you already do that another one is um taking a different route in the car so like going and don't look how to get there before you go don't just turn on the gps and listen to siri say okay next right in a half mile turn right Right. So like know how to get there beforehand, but take a different route. So then you're actually having to pay attention to where you're going, how you're getting there. Right. Being present. Um, those are those are a couple. Um, you can do breathing exercises and focus on your breath. Um, you can take a walk and just focus on all the sensations. Take notice to everything. And again, when you start to wander just bring it back and come back to noticing the different sensations so when i say sensations um sight like what do you see what do you smell what do you feel what do you hear what do you taste um and just sort of going through that and start training your brain to be more mindful and it just takes practice and again building that awareness of when you're wandering 100 percent, awesome that was again phenomenal appreciate you dropping those tips for us um, well, I want to be mindful of your time here. So, so we'll shoot you um, some wild card questions. They're just going to be off the cuff. Give me the mm -hmm. first thing that kind of comes to mind. We'll do as, as you guys call it with that word association. Um, so first one will be the word legacy. What does it mean to you? 
Legacy, um, what you're remembered by. That's what it means to me. What do you want your legacy to be? I want to be remembered for the person that I was, which hopefully is a kind and compassionate person. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I would say that you are. You, that, you that's, what I, that's what I want to be remembered by. <laughs> what's, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh, best piece of advice. Uh, my dad, when I, I was going, I was still playing basketball before my second injury, my senior year. And um, I, we were talking about going and playing or, or not playing. And I could tell my mom really wanted me to play. Um, And he said, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. He said, I promise you that if you put as much, I love basketball and I freaking worked hard at it. Like I was on the driveway or in my, on my back patio, like grinding every, every day for an hour or two. Like my parents didn't have to tell me to go do it. I, cause I loved it so much. I just did it. Um, And so he told me that, if you put as much work in uh, to school or whatever you decide in life as you do basketball, you're going to be successful. And so from there on, after deciding not to do basketball, that's what I did. And it's worked out pretty well. So, <laughs> so that's probably the best advice. Last one here. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, where would you be? Where would I be? Like location wise or like what I'm doing in life? No, like what you're doing in life. Oh. <laughs> Everybody, you're already on the beat. You don't you don't get to play the location. I know, right? Right. I wouldn't leave. Um, <laughs> I'd probably be a coach or a teacher. teacher. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Basketball coach or a teacher. Mm-hmm. Communication at its finest, I see. You're all yes. about it. All about it. <laughs> all That's about awesome. it. Well, Nicole, this has been absolutely awesome. I appreciate you so much for taking the time. Um, we always like to close with some different resources and I'll make sure that I link these up in the show notes as well for people. Um, but if there's anything that you want to plug, um, any resources that you have, you know, and then also your social media, if people want to get in touch with you, if you're interested in working with you, all those different things. Um, so we kind of give you the mic for the last couple minutes and, and you can plug whatever you want to plug, whether it's books, podcasts, you know, articles, whatever, um, and then plug your own stuff as well. So feel free, you know, we'll let, let you talk it up and have at it. Okay, some great resources is, um, these are books. So my favorite book is The Happiness Advantage by Sean Archer. It's a positive psychology book and it's geared toward business. Um, however, it's, it's awesome. It has some great tips in there. Uh, some of the activities that I post on my Instagram are from that book. I adapted them from that book. So one of my favorites. Um, another one is the how of happiness, another positive psychology book. Um, but it pretty much just talks about, you know, what makes up happiness. There's a whole pie chart and, um, how you have to work at it. It's not just something that comes and that's just what it is. And so in the book, it gives a bunch of activities, um, that you can do. You even take a test to figure out which activities may be best for you. So I think that's awesome. Um, that's another one sports wise, um, the obstacles away, um, is awesome. More so, a philosophy type book, again, not very much sport, but it has some great lessons in there. Um, growth mindset by Carol Dweck is a great book. Um, kind of talks about 
very mirrors what we talked about today um, with the whole overcoming fear, managing it, right? Um, and taking those, those leaps for things, um, always growing. So there, those are a few resources. I think if you're interested in um, sports psychology, definitely ASP, so Association of Applied Sports Psychology, um, our website. It has a bunch of resources on there um, and it's all about mental performance consulting. Um, so sports psych, uh, and it's an awesome, awesome resource. You could even, if let's say you don't live in Florida, um, I do do virtual, but if you want to <laughs> meet with someone in person and you want to find certified mental performance consultants in your area, they have a search um, engine for that or a search, whatever. So you could, you could find people in your area that you can meet with on there, um, which is awesome. So those are resources, um, my social media. So like I said at the beginning, I have my own company and I'm also associated with another company down in Miami. Um, and so I'm gonna give you the social media for both and the websites for both of us. So the company that I'm associated with, it's called MindTap. And their website is MindTap, so M-I-N-D-T-A-P-L-L-C.com. And then their Instagram and Facebook is at MindTap underscore. And then for me, my website is NicoleErickson.com. Very easy. And then, uh, my Instagram and Facebook is at CoachNicole.E. And those are our social media and some resources for you all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nicole, for taking the time and being on the show. Um, you know, I, I took a ton of notes and, and got a lot out of this. This has been really in-depth stuff that I think sometimes gets breezed over and not enough time is spent on it. So hopefully down the road, we can have you on again um, and get in-depth in some more things as I'm sure people will reach out with questions and, and follow-up stuff. So Thanks again. And, you know, if anybody has any questions for me or stuff that you want me to pass on to Nicole, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, as always, like, share, leave a review, do all that stuff so that we can continue to bring you guys these conversations. Um, but again, that's Coach Nicole Erickson, mental performance consultant. And we thank you for your time. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Another hard-hitting episode of the Built Not Born podcast, man. I can't thank Coach Nicole enough for her time. You know, these guests that I have on here just keep adding value all over the place, and they keep giving away things for free, and, and we can't thank them enough for taking the time to talk to us. You know, today the tips and tricks that Nicole gave for regulating emotions and dealing with fear of failure and fear of the unknown and all the different things that come with being a high performer in a high-stress environment – um, you know, those are things you typically have to pay for. And so to get that stuff for free, you know, we hope you guys appreciate it um, and take that stuff to heart and really at, put those things in action. You know, those are big time tips and tricks. Um, so again, if you guys like what you hear, please like, share, leave a review, subscribe, do all that stuff so we can keep this movement growing, keep bringing you guys great conversations. And until next time, man, leaders are built, not born.